When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 239. We're recording on Thursday, December 7th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. We got a, we got a, we got a hybrid show this week. We do. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to mop up some recommendations. Some of you who got your recommendations in as we asked, and we did get to them for the first two shows, so we're going to get them to you. So hopefully you haven't done all your shopping yet, but if you have, you can keep it in your pocket for some future gift-giving moment. And then we're going to check in with some feedback about all kinds of things and thoughts you guys have sent us about questions that we've asked you on opinions and ideas and things that have happened on previous shows. So we're going to follow up with some of that. We thought it would be fun for y'all to hear about uh, your fellow listeners feedback. I do read all the email. We, do. we, we we don't have a great mechanism currently for talking about um, things that people have said. So we're kind of going to do a dump and I'm going to try to be a little bit more, I don't know, cognizant of like follow up that's relevant to the show, especially because people wrote in and we'll, when we get to it, you'll hear about like firsthand on the scene reportage mm. kind of stuff about mm-hmm. Indigo and Barnes and Noble Kitchen. And yeah, some maybe we like should that. do some kind of like email of the week thing. Uh, yeah, right. And um, but I just want and, and even if you have stuff that's not going to make the show, I do look at all the email and I've, I respond to it eventually. <laughs> even just a thanks for listening, and I usually do get yeah, to it. And eventually, uh, but, let's uh, see. It tends to as we're up. wrapping up these loose ends, we're also getting ready to just wrap up the year in general. Yeah. So next week's show will be our year in review. Um, and if you have like memorable stories of any flavor that you think should make it into that top show um, of the year. Email us, podcast mm. at bookriot.com. I'm always interested in what we remember and what's outstanding to the listeners yeah. about what happened in publishing this year. We usually do the turkey of the year, um, but there's there's a lot of turkeys to choose from this year. So, And I think one just, I think one just waddled into the barnyard this week that we're not going to have time to talk about, but um, the turkey of the year may have uh, waddled into the That's barnyard true. this week. We'll talk about it next. Uh, so, yeah, podcast That's at bookriot.com. As we call it, tease. You're leaving them on yeah. the hook there. Uh, email yeah, us, let us know. And now we're going to wrap up these holiday let's recommendations. All right, let's, let's do our first sponsor. We've got some recommendations to Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. I don't know how you do it two nights at a time. That's something else. We all, we all sleep one night at a time, two legs at a I time. I would love to sleep like 1.4 nights at a time. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> you do sleep 1.4 <laughs> nights at a time. I, 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 I clock in at about 0. 0.65 uh, most nights. <laughs> Casper's got three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. I'd also assume your unnatural geometry if you've you've had some things done. Not to mention, the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that size box? A shockingly small package that it comes in with free shipping and returns in the U.S., and Canada. So up you up, up north of the border, you don't get to miss out. You don't have to miss out. The best part is you can be sure of your purchase with Capture's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend a third of your night sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I guess for you, that's almost the equivalent of 140 <laughs> nights free. <for laughs> Look, I get my night. eight to nine hours. That's what you're supposed to yeah. get. If you don't get 12 to 16 hours, you're erect the next day. I mean, it's really, it's really a problem. 11 would Start be sleeping great. ahead of the curve. <laughs> Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash bookriot and using bookriot, all one word, all capitals, at checkout. That's casper.com slash bookriot. Offer code bookriot for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. I don't know what the, I've said before, I don't know the difference between a term and a condition. You're going to get them both, though. If you want to go... Go read the fine print to distinguish and then send us an email podcast at bookriot.com. Okay. You can be fully covered. Latecomers, you know, 
There's so oh man, we what? well we just did what we thought was gonna be five minutes on this topic before the show started. And now we have to talk oh, about Al Franken right. in the in the first um in the first segment. <sighs> oh right, yes. So uh why don't you read and I guess we'll caveat disclaimer, you know, this was written before I think anyone knew about it. Oh Al no, Franken she says here, uh about, Lindsay so. says she wrote in asking recommendations for herself, so this is kind of cheating. Oh, but there I need you books go. for right. my sister. Yep. Lindsay, yep. that's not cheating. You just sent two emails instead of one. It's fine. She's planning mm-hmm. to get her sister The Giant of the Senate by That's Al right. Franken, but she says, obviously, that is not something I want to spend money on anymore. Lindsay, we salute you. Um, Lindsay's mm-hmm. sister likes nonfiction and politics, and the last book that she read was A History of Capitalism. I want to get her something that she'd like, but also something that's less dry than that, um, which is why I was planning on a nonfiction political book written by a comedian. And because I don't usually read nonfiction that's so textbook-like, I don't even know what to buy in that vein. Any ideas? I have a few of them. The first, this is not political book and it's not by a comedian, but it's great, juicy, smart nonfiction and um, a lo- like a lot of fun to read about a nerdy topic, but is not dry at all. It's I Contain Multitudes by Ed Young, which is a like deep dive into bacteria and all of the things, many, if not even most of them good that bacteria do in the world um, and how bacteria have really like bacteria needs a new publicist. And Ed Young has set out functionally to do that by telling the story. If you um, are familiar, if your sister is familiar, maybe with Siddhartha Mukherjee and what he did with um, the Emperor of All Maladies as a sort of big look at cancer, this is a smaller book um, that's more fun, but same sort of vein um, about a big science topic and how there's, you know, bacteria are all over us all the time. More of the things about our bodies are not from us than are from us. And that's creepy if you think about it too much, but also it's true. Um, and I thought I Contain Multitudes mm-hmm. was really fun and fascinating. And if your sister likes that part of being a nonfiction reader that gives you the like, hey, did you know? Did you know this thing? How about this other thing? Did you know this too? Um, she'll like I Contain Multitudes. Um, more on the political and not not funny. I really struggled with nonfiction political book by a comedian um, is Incarceration Nations by Baz Dreisinger, which is a, a look at... Um, punishment systems around the world, the prison system in, I think, 12 different countries. Uh, and she looks at the spectrum of thinking it, thinking of prison as punishment to really what it looks like when prisons are thought of as rehabilitative. Um, and the function that prisons are supposed to serve of restoring someone to their community, creating healing, um, the vast failures in some ways. It's not an easy book, um, but for somebody who engages deeply with politics, it's a really interesting look at a global issue and what, how that presents around the world. Um, so I thought that was a really fascinating one. You're done. Sharifa just walked in. I'm done. Sharifa just oh, walked in. Oh, hi, Sharifa. Hi, Sharifa. Yes, I am. Everyone wants to hear that you just walked in. You get to hear my recommendations of um, of uh, vaguely political books. I th- I thought I might have stole this one from you. Did were you, had you thought about I, my pick before you did this? I had you read this book? This book? I loved it. Um, and then I was like, oh, Jeff knows this okay. book <laughs> when I saw it on the notes. I only know it because of you, actually. Who thought this was a good idea by Alistro Mastro Monaco? <laughs> yeah. Um, who was, if you're a West Wing fan, she was the Josh Lyman of the Obama White House, the deputy chief of staff, um, because that's how I work. I use art to understand how Mm -hmm. real world things work. And it always works out for me. I never get anything wrong. Um, it's funny. A lot of great stories. Um, I thought it was great on audio. I, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those books. I'm not sure it rises to the level of pre study or something else where I, mm-hmm. I prefer it on audio. I don't know like that you're missing something on audio, but it's certainly fun. The blurb, I think, um, the first line of the blurb, I think, will, will speak to you. Uh, if your funny older sister were the former deputy chief of staff, funny yep. older sister, that really describes the voice very well. I, you know, this one led me to another one that I'm going to listen to, but I haven't yet, um, called Thanks, Obama, My Hope He Changed You White oh, House I was just a, by David Litt. Yeah, thanks, Obama. I was oh, just okay, about sorry. to jump in with that one. <laughs> Yeah, um, and he's a speechwriter. Mm-hmm. Was a speechwriter, um, so it's you know it's funny as well. So both of these are, I think it sounds to me like the thanks Obama one is a little bit funnier. Yeah. But uh, who thought this was a good idea is also funny if that makes sense. Uh, thanks Obama, I think is more. Con- yeah. I'm getting into weird distinctions well, that no well, one yeah, cares so David about. Well, welcome to my a, world. Right, right. Yeah. Distinctions that no one cares about. Yeah. The Jeff O'Neill story. The Jeff O'Neill story. Um, 
the thanks Obama, he, David Litt was a speechwriter um, mm-hmm. for Obama. He did many things, but eventually he became a speechwriter. And so he, like, part of his job was writing the jokes to that to try to like fill out the yes. correspondence dinner. Wait, in you've addition, read this one already? Yeah, yeah, I read it. Oh, um, oh back, great. Okay, I read cool. it oh, when it came out, and I got the galley like in early mm. 2017. The book came out, I think, this summer. It, it's hilarious, and also it gave me a lot of like. It made me sad, um, mm. but it's really, really funny. Um, he's, it's a really funny voice to spend time with. And he kind of comes up, like, he's really young. He and Alyssa Mastromonaco were both really young when they got the jobs, like, in their early 20s. And so there's some coming of age and professional development stuff to both of them. But the stories in both books are, you know, there's a lot of self-deprecation in both Um I, think, I feel like you shouldn't be in your 20s in the White House, just like you shouldn't be a child it's actor. Kind of, like this just, it just doesn't seem like a great idea. I don't know. I it mean, is I'm astonishing when he tells, like David Litt tells a story and thanks Obama about writing some speech and just like needing an example of an African country for a thing. And he just like picks an African country to toss in. And that African country takes offense at the way that he characterizes yeah. it, like off the cuff and he causes a minor international diplomacy issue for like three days um (laughs) and it's like oh my god you were 25 like you were 25 and they let you say things that the president how about this Uh, i was telling you i'm reading all the president's men i I love the movie i never actually read the book woodward and bernstein were like 28 it's bonkers like what it's so crazy anyway that's a young people in the charge of things um the older (laughs) i get because i'm an old man now (laughs) Uh, apparently drive me crazy. Uh, let's move along there. We have some, those are some banger recommendations. No problem there. Uh, this is a long one. Let's see. Not a present request, but my parents and I are road tripping to visit extended family for Christmas and we want audiobooks to keep us company. And so this is Amanda who's trying to do a little Venn diagram work here. My dad reads really fast, widely, and read almost anything good. Okay, problem though is he's already read almost everything, especially if it's detective novel set in Canada. Well, there goes all my Canadian detective novel recommendations. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Amanda. Uh, Amanda <laughs> herself likes detective novels, fantasy and sci-fi, especially unusual creative sci-fi, like uh, N.K. Jemison, Ewan Ali, and Anne Leckie. Um, let's see, my mom loves Jane Austen, Agatha Christie, and history. Um, but Amanda does not like it. This is like those logic puzzles where like, uh, Becky likes mm-hmm. pepperoni, but uh, Ricky doesn't, and um, both of them are allergic to cheese. What do you, what kind of pizza do you get them? Books we've all enjoyed in the past: The Martian, The Guernsey Literary, and Potato Peel Society, Night Circus, uh, blah blah blah. Please remember, I'm listening with my parents, so keep it appropriate. My current theories are Hammerhead and the regional office is under attack. Uh, I think those are both good suggestions, but I think Hammerhead is not on audio. So oh, a that's problem. a bummer! What a great book. That's a bummer. Um, my picks, um, on, on, a, on a more straight sci-fi tip, Sleeping Giants, and I, do you know how to say his name, Sylvain Nouvelle? Yes. I think I looked it up, yeah, and that's, right. that's what I'm close. Um, it's pretty straight-ahead sci-fi, but it has a mystery element to it, which I think would be fun for you guys. It's also very good on audio. Basically, um, there are big pieces of huge robots that people start discovering, and if you put them together, they do stuff. And that is not great. So there you go. It's a lot of fun. And there's also a second one out called Waking Gods. So you've got two books. If you like the first one, you've got one ready for your return trip. And the third one, I think, is coming out next year. My other one, which is Bridges, a little bit of history, a little bit of mystery, and a little bit of bookishness, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore by Robin Sloan. Basically, there's an old, dusty bookshelf uh, bookstore in San Francisco the protagonist goes to work on it, and it is all things are not what they seem there, to say the least. Um, it's a literary mystery. It's a bookish mystery. There's a lot of, like, trying to figure stuff out. Um, also really good on audio. Um, smart, brainy, I guess fantasy slash sci-fi. I don't, I'm not good. Spec fic, we'll call it. Um, and, and cover all our bases there. So those are my two picks. I've got a couple for you for the creative, unusual sci-fi that you happen to like. Um, Amanda, I would go for the Area X Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, um, Annihilation, Authority, and Acceptance. Um, I, I will say I have a really hard time with building elaborate worlds in fantasy and sci-fi mm. in my head. And so I read Annihilation and I 
I just like couldn't, my brain couldn't do it. But Bob is great at this and loves this kind of book. And he is listening to these right now. Um, you can get the omnibus of them. If you're on Audible, you can get the omnibus of them for one credit that has all three books together and knock out a whole bunch of listening. Um, but that's a, it's a weird story about Area X, which is this like part of the continent that's really lush and very strange. And it's been cut off from the rest of the continent for a long time. Like nature is taking over and then some other things are happening and there's this expedition has gone in um multiple expeditions have gone in i think where people died weird things happen and it was kind of like lost um and that way i liked how the world was set up um bob is almost done with the third book now and says that he's been really mm. pleased with the arc of course this series was beloved but um different there's different main characters um in, for each book in the trilogy and so each audiobook has a different narrator so you spend time with three different voices which uh, he said he also thought was fun um for something like straight down the middle that i think is just guaranteed to please the astronaut's <coughs> guide to life on earth by chris hadfield came out a couple of years ago he's um a Canadian astronaut. He was one of the um, commanders of the International International Space Station for a period of time. He has logged nearly, I'm looking now at the description, nearly 4,000 hours in space. Um, and he broke into a space station with a Swiss army knife is like just one of the stories that you get in the book. But there's a really fascinating mix of what life in space is like and what being an astronaut is like and how most of being an astronaut is not time spent in space. It's all the like very dedicated, but sometimes drudgery of preparing. Um, and being very diligent. And it felt, the book and the way that he talks about work felt to me like if the Martian and the West Wing had had a baby in some way. What? Yeah, where you you get like really fascinating space things, but you also get like this very accomplished, very smart person talking to you about like teamwork and dedicating yourself to something bigger than you are, you know? And in Hadfield's hmm. place, it's, um, the study of space and the universe where like, you know, obviously the West Wing, it's about governing and something that's bigger than them. But it had this, it could have been that I was watching the West Wing at the same time. And so like every things were, I, my brain was drawing connections between stuff. Mm. Um, but I really, really loved it. I listened to it on audio and he's just a joy to spend time with. Um, and then the Wangs versus the world. Um, oh my God, Jade Chang, that's her name, um, about a family, uh, a wealthy family who have lost their fortune and are now road tripping across the country to move in with the older daughter of the family and try to make sense of the way forward. Um, and it's funny and heartfelt and very poignant at times and I think would be great on audio. So those are mine. All right. You're up next. Whew. All right. Our next one is from Marie spending the holidays with boyfriend's family and trying to think of what kind of gift to give his brother. Um, the brother owns a club and an after ski drink bar up in the Alps of Switzerland where they're going to be spending the holidays. Marie, is the brother single because I think she's just humble bragging. This is like, all a, this, this, uh, this whole thing was a, just a ruse to talk about her Swiss Christmas vacation. <laughs> um, he's also an expert on wine and delicious food. Mm -hmm. Is this a Tinder ad point? at me. He's the most interesting man in the world. Right, right. He travels, he enjoys spending time outdoors, and he generally has little spare time as he works long hours at his bar in the Alps in Switzerland, which I mean, I if feel, I had one of I feel terrible. Those... He sounds like a real... He, <laughs> he needs to make a change. I, uh, she says that she thinks she only re that he only reads while he's on vacation, and he tends to binge read the whole book. She recently saw him reading John Grisham. Pictures him liking something about travel, nature, or something page-turnery. She prefers not to give him a book about wine, drinks, or hospitality because he's already <laughs> such an expert. And she's from Canada, so if we could incorporate that somehow, um, she thinks that would be great. All right. Um, I have a couple. Um, so for mm. the Canadian like adventure and travel angle, Unbound by Steph Jagger is a memoir that's like – wild but about skiing um Steph Jagger set out on this quest to ski to like break the I think it was to break the Guinness book record of most vertical miles skied or vertical feet something um vertical distance skied in a year um, and mm -hmm. it's like it's bonkers she is an extremely accomplished skier the book chronicles her trying to chase that goal but also when you're doing something that's intensely physical like that and exhausting with a lot of travel it's 
it maybe shouldn't be a surprise, but it was to her that she ran up a bun- up against a bunch of mental and emotional stuff in herself that she needed to deal with. And so that's where the wild connection um, mm. comes in. And so it's, you know... Wild on skis. It is. Wild I mean, on skis. That, you're yeah, done. it's great. Yeah. Um, and she's a little, like... Cheryl Street is so earnest, and, and I love that. But Steph Jagger is earnest and also pretty brash. Like, she's a little swearier. Um, and so mm. for somebody who's, like, owning a bar and um, might be a little edgier, I thought that was great. You get stories about where she skis around the world. There's, like, a place in New Zealand that's owned. It's a privately owned club. Um, and everybody in New Zealand is so very, like, do it all yourself that you have to, like, put your skis on your shoulders and hike up a mile to even get to the first thing. And then the way they lift you to the top of the slope is you like sit on basically like a Frisbee attached to a rope and they give you a piece of leather to put between your hand and the rope and just like yank you up a mountain. Mm. Um, she just has these great, great stories. Um, for something in the restauranty industry, um, Sweet Bitter by... I thought she didn't want restaurants. I thought she didn't oh, want restaurants. yeah. Okay, never mind. Well, Sweet Bitter by Stephanie... It also has a dead dog Sweet in Bitter it, too. Does? So there you go. No, I'm oh, kidding. Okay. I'm I was like, oh, right, oh, right. Because here's your, here's your book about dead dogs that you don't want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, never yeah, mind. Sweet want. Bitter by Stephanie Dandler is a great book, but maybe not for this person. Um, alibis <laughs> <laughs> by... It's our show. Um, alibis That's by right. Andre Achiman is my absolute favorite collection of essays about travel. And they're about um, not the places that we go so much as what we're trying to get out of the experience of travel. I've read it over and over. Um, and then something that mixes travel and um, photography and has moments set in the Alps in Switzerland is Known and Strange Things, which is a collection of essays by um, who Teju Cole, who we mostly know as a novelist, but who mixes mm-hmm. up being in different parts of the world, taking photographs in different parts of the world and writing about what it is to create an image of a place that you visit. Damn you for picking that. I wish I would have thought of that. Um, Just going to brush my shoulders back. off. <laughs> uh, mix up for totally <laughs> for my wrongness. Um, yeah, right. I went straight page turner. Mm. Um, I picked up on John Grisham and page turner. So I using this as an excuse, Marie, to talk about my two favorite page turnery mystery crime books that I read this year. The one is The Force by Don Winslow. It's about a s- special group of New York City cops. They're kind of like the major crimes task force, but they basically have developed, you know, a, a sort of a, a minor fiefdom in Upper Manhattan. Um, drugs, narcotics, money laundering, gangs. And as you might expect, when you get a bunch of cops that basically can operate without any consequences, things don't turn out so great. And then things people find out about them really page true. A big epic, like The Godfather for Cops, I don't think is a stretch um, from, from my point of view. Um, and also already being made into a movie. And so before whoever gets this really great starring role, um, some tough but likable white dude is going to get a really great role. You know, Tom Hardy, whoever you like, uh, is going to get a really great role here. Um, so that's a good one. It's long, so it's good for a winter night. Um, IQ and then also uh, Righteous by Joe Ide both are um, mysteries, Ide. but they're basically Ide. I'm sorry, excuse me, Ide. Um, I'm not sure I've ever, ever said that out loud at this point. I just realized um, where it's basically what if Sherlock Holmes lived in. Los Angeles, and he was a black working class dude. Mm. And that's the setup. And it's really interesting. And they, he gets involved in crimes in his neighborhood. He gets involved with a couple of rappers and their very, very suspect sort of managers and what they're up to. Um, I, I, I would say if you like dogs, I'd watch out because there's some dog stuff mm. here. I'd never thought about giving that trigger warning, but this is quite literally a trigger warning uh, about dogs. Um, anyway, those are great in page turnery and very good for a curling up on a winter night by the fire in the Swiss Alps. With them. I'm just, how am I not going to hate this person? <laughs> I can't even get out of my mouth without sort of my my um, my ire rising. But um, anyway, it doesn't sound too bad. So those are my two picks there. All right, do me a sponsor, Breed. Yes, our next sponsor this week is Breathing Books which uh, is the publisher of Cornelia Funke. And I have been butchering that name up until now, which is probably why Mm. they gave us the pronunciation this time around. Um, If you're planning to gift books to friends and family this holiday season, you should consider Cornelia Funke's 
Reckless, The Petrified Flesh. It is the first book in her fantasy series that puts a dark twist on classic fairy tales. It follows a talented treasure hunter named Jacob Reckless and his shape-shifting companion Fox through their adventures in a magic-filled pre-industrial revolution era world. This is great for readers who love a rich young adult or new adult fantasy. Reckless brings all of the lush world-building of Funka's um, new fantasy series that's ideal for now-grown readers of her earlier stories. She wrote Inkheart and Inkwell and Ink something else. Um, she's also the author of The Wild Chicks, which Breathing Books will begin publishing in the U.S. in the spring of 2018. Um, so Reckless, the Petrified Flesh is out with Funka's independent publishing company, Breathing Books. It's available on Amazon, but Cornelia and Breathing Books want to encourage readers to support your local indie bookstore and to head there for a copy. So visit their website, breathing-books.com for more information. All right. Yasmin, I'm looking for a book to gift myself this holiday season. That's what we're talking about, Yasmin. Treat yourself. I'm expecting my first child right in between Christmas and New Year's, so I'm looking for something that I would enjoy, but that I can also read when I'm deep in the throes of sleep deprivation and adjusting to life with a newborn. My 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 recommendation is to binge watch Friday Night Lights. That's oh. what we did. But anyway, that's a secondary thing. Um, I will pretty much I will get pretty much anything a shot, but veer towards fantasy, sci-fi, and historical fiction. The Heart's Invisible Furies, The Invisible Library, and the Shades of Magic trilogy were some recent favorites but I may want something lighter, easier to focus on for the first few weeks. Would love to hear any recommendations. You, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. And you're welcome. Okay. Uh, I'm first, I guess, since I did the read. Um, King Killer Chronicles, Patrick uh, Rothfuss. It is the story of, uh, I don't know why he did this to us, Rothfuss, where the protagonist's name is K-V-O-T-H-E. Um, Shrifa, do you know how to say that? <laughs> Kvath from the King Killer Chronicles. How do you say that dude's name, the main character? Yeah, I already said Kvath, too. I'm blaming it on Sharifa, though. So I'm glad she's here so I can blame stuff on her. That's the, the best part of having other people in the office. Um, it's a great, immersive world in which there's, there's magic, but it's, it's a very unusual magical system where you have to, like... Um, the first book is called The Name of the Wind, so you have to, like, know the element or object's name to be able to control it. So there's all the studying and archival stuff you have to do, very elaborate stuff. It's an epic series, um... He is basically, it's told in a very unusual way where basically the setup is you meet him, a character encounters him at the tavern sort of after, as far as you can tell, something Im- immensely important has happened. And Gvath is sort of telling you, narrating his story. So you, you know it's leading somewhere, but you don't know what, and you know he survived, but he seems like a broken man. Um, there's a lot of lute playing, which is one of the, one of the great idiosyncrasies, like he plays the lute. Um, there's also, weirdly, he has to enroll like, and basically their equivalent of Hogwarts or magical school. But he's always short of money, and he's always trying to figure out how to make tuition, which is something you never think about in like these magical school worlds. Like, who's paying for all this junk? And in this particular case, he's got to foot his own bill, so there's a lot of, i got to go play at the tavern so I can get my six pieces of gold so I can pay for the whatevers. Um, but it's idiosyncratic and great, and then you can be like the rest of us and impatiently waiting for the third book to come out. But the first two books, um, you know, will give you a thousand plus pages of stuff to get through. A related pick, another fantasy, there's magic, what's going on, series, Sorcerer of the Crown by Zen Cho. In this particular one, magic is more built into sort of the bureaucracy of the the, the, the world that um, Cho builds. And they're trying to appoint a new philosopher royal, and the wrong person gets selected, and the main character is pissed off about it, but also magic just seems to be diminishing from the world. So he goes on a quest, basically, to figure out what's going on. Why is magic disappearing? What can be going on here? Um, both of them will give you many, many hours of good world-building characters you like, um, fun twists on sort of fantasy conventions as well. So those are my picks. Um, the King Killer Chronicles, which are two books, the, and there's going to be three, but the first one is Name of the Wind, and then Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. I don't know the name of that whole series, um, and I don't even know if it's over because I've been waiting to find out. But those are my, those are my picks right now. I went for short stories, and I went still with books yeah, that have did. yeah that have meat on them. I'm reading the Hearts Invisible Furies right now, and um, I'm familiar with the Invisible Library. I know Jeff loved. Was it, is it is Shades of Magic the name of the Victoria Schwab series? Uh, Darker Shade of okay. Magic. Yeah. Um, so you, you like the first book? Uh, the whole trilogy? I'm not sure. Uh, 
yeah, I think might it be might be Shades of, Magic. Shades of Magic, the whole trilogy. Now I'm, conf- now I'm um, confused. Thanks. But so I can, I can tell like you like some meat on the bones in, in what yeah. you're reading. So I went for meaty short stories. So you can just have uh, smaller bites of meat, I guess. This like the metaphors never seem to serve me. It's like chicken nuggets, but a lot <laughs> Man, of them. Well, I, I mean, I love a chicken here. nugget. So <laughs> is it a big chicken nugget or just a lot of, a lot of regular size chicken nuggets? <laughs> you decide. Uh, I think short yeah. stories are great for get immersed in a world and then get out of it and move on to a next world. Um, and you can dip in and out of collections without having to carry a narrative thread, which um, I have never experienced the throes of sleep deprivation from having a newborn because as we know, I like to sleep for 16 hours a night. I know. I mean, after you've got eight, if you've only gotten eight hours, you're a mess though. So Jeff, like... the CDC says that if you get fewer than seven for two <laughs> nights in a row, you are in sleep deprivation. Yep. I have no rejoinder for that. I mean, I, that sound that feels true. Let's put it that way. Uh, so my first suggestion is Karen Russell. Um, St. Lucie's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves is my favorite of her short stories, uh, her short story collections. It's also her first, so you really get a flavor of where this writer with a weird, fun brain started off. Like one of the stories is about kids who have, kids are at a summer camp for kids who have sleep disorders and bonkers Mm. things happen to them. Um, St. Lucie's Home for Girls Raised by Wolves is a story about exactly that, that like this is a phenomenon that sometimes girl children are like left out in the wilderness and they are raised by wolves and they don't know how to be people in society. And when they wander back, St. Lucie's takes them in. Um, It's just weird and awesome. Um, If you like to be unsettled a little bit about what's happening in the world in fiction, Um, what it means when a man falls from the sky by Leslie Nika Arima is my favorite short story collection of this year. And it's really remarkable. Um, I was just talking about it on all the books for our best books of the year show, but I think the breadth, like the quality of the writing is stunning, but really the breadth of style and subject matter that she takes on is astonishing that there are stories that are firmly grounded in reality about an American girl going to visit cousins in Nigeria and having a wild night out that goes awry. But then there are stories that move into the realm of myth or like um, Arima is writing new fables. And it's it kind of took my breath away when I realized what she was doing in some of the later stories in the collection. So maybe read those when you've had a little bit more sleep, but really a wonderful collection. Um, And then there's Children of the New World by Alexander Weinstein, which if you're willing to get a little dystopian about where we might be going Mm. with technology, it is a like follow the slippery slope to the end kind of collection of short stories about tech where like in one um, people don't talk to each other in conversations really anymore. But the way you interact is by um, adjusting the basically the digital guard filters on the information in your brain that other people can access about you. So like, if we're on the subway and we make eye contact, I could like send you basic information about myself. But if you start dating, you, you know, open up the different folders, um, so to speak. And the biggest risk that couples take when they're dating in this world is going like full transparency, um, which would be like letting someone see everything you have ever Googled or thought um, ever. And how, yeah, right? And how, like, it's disastrous. (laughs) Like, that's why this is dystopia. It's disastrous. Um, Mm. There's one in which, like, people go to work by just plugging into virtual reality to do their work. No one leaves their houses anymore. Like, it's creepy. Um, If you love technology, I think it's a fun experiment in, like, what the downside might be. If you're already scared about, like, the fact that your smartphone knows where you are, maybe this is not one for you. But I loved it. It came out a few years ago, Children of the New World by Alexander Weinstein. Uh, we're getting towards the end, so we kind of got some one-off, not one-offs, but more specific picks here. Um, let's see. What, let's see. Where were we? Okay, good. So we had got one about our Swiss Army picks mm. um, that we didn't, neither of us filled it in because I'm not sure we knew we were going to talk about it. Um, I guess, I don't know what our, we also got, someone, people were tweeting at it, and then Michelle said to me, like, are you really not recommending Gilead this year? Oh, and right. N- now we get self-conscious, or at least I do, mm-hmm. right? You know, about, you know, we say the same things over and over again. But that's our, I think, that's certainly one, right? I mean, what do, what do we pick that Swiss Army? What do we stuff? We, we, we always know, mention the Martian. We always mention that seems the Martian. to be one we pick that's a lot. Useful. Um, I think I've talked about Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes in several yeah. recommendation shows. Mindy. Bad Feminist, yeah, bad feminist right? Feminist. We talk about a Bad Feminist Mindy a lot by Roxanne Gay. we talk about a lot. Yeah, that's I want, another one. I was thinking about this as like my hesitation or part of my hesitation in making notes on the agenda and ultimately why I didn't is that 
for a long time, I had kind of a standing set of Swiss Army picks that like mm-hmm. that they were consistent for several years. Or if like, Mine too. you know, like if I read one new amazing book, like a couple years ago, Tiny Beautiful Things got added to that stack. But the last like the world feels so different to me now that what mm. what I am looking for from books and what I think a lot of people are looking for from books is has changed and or or shifted in some fashion and I'm not sure that all my Swiss army picks from the past would do the thing that I want mm. a Swiss army book to do now like I'm still giving a million people tiny beautiful things I I've given out 3 copies like in the last month um and I always recommend for people who like travel alibis by Andre Achiman, which I talked about earlier, like that has stayed on the list. But some of the fiction that I love, and I think you do too, that's beautiful messes um, and yeah. and about the really gritty things of life. Um, at least for me, it's been a lot harder to read really gritty fiction about tough things in life because like life has been enough. Um, and I've, I've just had, I've had trouble with this one. I gotta say, I think that's why maybe sort of the stuff that ha- that doesn't try to be current ages better, just in general, but especially right now. Like Gilead's not about 1991 when it, or 1999 when it came out. It's about like 1930, right? right? So it doesn't feel like it's trying to. It, it's it's hitting it. It's it's swinging at a pitch it can hit. Where as like the big literary novels from like 2008, mm-hmm. like good luck right? with those yeah. feeling interesting right now. Um, but like The Martian. You know, the Night Circus, I think those things probably right. hold up I think um, Americana is on my list. Like, that's a relatively recent work of fiction that yeah. holds up and does a lot. One thing that I've been giving to people who loved Tiny Beautiful Things a few years ago and are ready for something else in that, like, life-affirming, moving-through-hard-things way is um, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Mm. Um, hmm... It's a it's a harder game, I will say. Like it's the a Swiss Army game. game is a harder game these days, um, but those are I agree those with are that. a few of them. As is everything, right? A harder game. Right. I feel like um, who thought this was a good idea is becoming a Swiss Army pick for us. Um, <sighs> yeah. In in yeah, some situations, but it's a good question. It's a good challenge. Uh, maybe in 2018, mm. I will figure out what my redesigned Swiss Army picks look like. Well, you know, the, the the other side of the Swiss Army pick metaphor is that if the if you've got the if it's a different task and you've only got a Swiss Army knife, it might be the wrong tool for the right. job, right? Like the funny thing about a Swiss Army knife, it is a lot of things not very well. Right. And it's not everything. Um, and no, and it's not everything. And it's like you've got a Swiss Army knife, but your new problem is you've got to make a souffle. Well, good luck with that Swiss Army knife. Not gonna help you out a lot. And I feel like we may be making souffle. Speaking of bloated <laughs> Um uh, let's move. Hi. Yeah. Good. Move well, you get, you want to do the next one? Yeah. Sure. This is, um, we don't have a name here. Someone is interested in romance recommendations mm-hmm. for their best friend who is a married woman who is 30. Uh, they say they see so many at the library. They all run together at a certain point. I can never wade through them to find which ones are good. Nothing too steamy and maybe something with a series so she can continue on if she likes it. Um, I see that you have noted Sarah McLean exclamation point. <laughs> Well, that's speaking of a Swiss Army wreck, we often recommend Sarah yes. for people that want to try. Yeah. Right. For people who want to try romance, I do think Sarah McLean is a great place to start. Nothing Too Steamy is a really difficult um, criterion to fill for someone else because mm. st- uh, steamy is in the eye of the beholder. Um, yeah. What's their iron <laughs> set at? What, what's their iron set? Is it the, the little tiny cloud of puff or is it the like, big cloud? I mean, I Sarah know. McLean is pretty steamy without being explicit, yeah, I think, or can mm-hmm. be. Julia Quint's Bridgerton series is really charming and lower on the steam scale, but still really fun to read. And there's a ton of them. Um, I just read a contemporary romance called Roomies by Christina Lauren. That's about a woman in her mid-20s in New York who falls for a guitarist who plays in the subway recruits him to play in the orchestra of the Broadway show that her uncle is producing, which has become as famous in the world of the book as Hamilton is right now. But it turns out that he's in the country illegally because he overstayed a visa. And so they have to get married to get him a green card and they fall in love, like marriage of convenience set up. It's really charming and funny. Um, not too steamy, like not explicit on the page. Um, but then for something really gentle and very charming, Beverly Jenkins, um, her book Forbidden, is a great one. It's set uh, in the Old West about a black woman who falls in love with a man that she believes is white. It turns out that he uh, is biracial and they think that their relationship is forbidden. The, co- the town that they live in um, would certainly look down on it. 
naturally they fall in love because that's what you do when you meet someone that you shouldn't be with. Um, and it's one of those where like the steamiest thing you really see happen is that there's some kissing with like, you know, that gets hot and heavy. Um, so if your friend is really steam averse, but wants a really well-written and enjoyable story, I think Beverly Jenkins is a great place to go there. Two left, one for me, one for you. Kyle. Okay. That's how we're going to split this up. Uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays, Jody. I would like to re- request a recommendation for my dad. Yes, a dad request. <coughs> <laughs> if only we had uh, someone qualified here. for this. He is an avid reader, even naming me after one of the characters of favorite childhood stories. Sounds mm-hmm. familiar. He loves history. I've given him nonfiction history books, biographies, and memoirs over the years with great success. Sounds like you don't even need us, Jody. You're doing fine. Anyway, he's now currently enjoying the Ken Follett trilogies, and I would love to give him another historical series that he could seek his teeth into. This is not just an area I'm familiar with. Love your input. Thank you for kissing me. You're welcome, Jody. I got it for you. Though I just realized, I don't know how to say this person's name. Uh, it's the War of the Roses series, but I think it's Con Igelin, um, British author. It is about the War of the Roses between the Lancaster and York houses in, let's see, it's, let's see, it was the 1400s to 1500s, so 15th to 16th centuries. Basically, um, when after Henry VI comes to the throne in 1437, I think it is, um, there is a power vacuum. He accedes a lot of his power to the people around him. He then gets some sort of weird condition in which he's like mostly blind and doesn't talk, like some weird catatonic state. And so there's a rush to fill the void. Um, his wife, Queen Margaret, tries to hold the throne. Uh, Edward, Duke of York, gets involved. Um, by the third book, there is the bloodiest battle ever fought at Brit- on British soil at the Battle of Towton. Um, but it's a huge, epic, magnificently deep story, well done. You know, each of the books is like 500 pages. There's four of them, so you got $2,000 of really prime cut dad book historical <laughs> fiction reading. Really recommended. I I like it better than the Ken Follett, but I don't. I'm not a huge Ken Follett fan. I like the the British political stuff. Um, especially has this like Shakespearean element too, because Henry the Sixth um, were some Shakespeare plays as well. Um, but that's my pick. They're all four out. Occam's, uh, not Occam's razor, O'Neill's <laughs> razor, full, well and fully um, complete. So that's um, the War of the Roses series by C O N N I G G U L E N. I've never even seen a last name like that um, in the British Isles. So that's my pick for you, Jody. Good luck. All right. This last one is from Joan. Uh, Joan's son is bringing his boyfriend home for Christmas this year for the first time. We've got lots of people meeting significant others' yeah, families right. this time around, and good luck to all of you. Well, here at the end of the world, you couple up, right? It's I mean, true. that's what you do at it's the end of the world. It's true. The boyfriend is a vegetarian, and would, uh, Joan would love to get him a really beautiful cookbook. They both enjoy cooking, and she would like something with great recipes recipes that's gorgeous to look at. Thanks so much for any recommendations and have a great holiday season. Thanks, Joan. You too. Um, My first recommendation for you here is How to Cook Everything Vegetarian by Mark Bittman. It is an enormous book because it's true to its name, How to Cook Everything. Um, I I use the regular How to Cook Everything by Mark Bittman and have found it to be just a great resource for cooking techniques and terrific recipes that you can enjoy as they are or build off of as I like to do when I'm in the kitchen. And I hear from vegetarian friends that how to cook everything vegetarian is equally great. Um, If you go with that one, you might also tell your son's boyfriend that these books are available as apps as well. Um, And since the book is huge, like if you're traveling and you're going to be cooking, it's great to be able to access the app from your phone. Um, And I think they're not very expensive. So you could get get them a bundle as we love um, Mm -hmm. and sort of take it on the go. And then I asked our coworker, Scott, who's our designer, and we don't get to talk about Scott much on these shows, but he's responsible for (laughs) all of Book Riot's branding and logos and any design you see on a t-shirt. Scott's a vegetarian and loves to cook, and he recommended Mater Jaffrey's World Vegetarian. Um, And it is vegetarian recipes from many cultures around the world. So especially for, I think, people who might be interested in that, who like to travel or like vegetarian cooking can often kind of get the shaft of like, here's just another way to roast vegetables. Um, But you're going to get a a world of flavors and some cultural insights there. And Madhur Jeffrey is spelled M-A-D-H-U-R-J-A-F-F-R-E-Y. And that comes highly recommended from our good pal, Scott. So 
Um, I also say I got the most recent Smitten Kitchen cookbook, which I think is called Smitten Kitchen Every Day by Deb Perelman. And it has a whole chapter on vegetarian main dishes and a, a bunch of just vegetarian dishes that you can cook that you can make into mains or sides and notes in several of the meat dishes about how to make them vegetarian. And that's a beautiful and um, easy to cook through book as well. So good luck to you, Joan. And thanks to all of our holiday recommendation seekers. Definitely. Uh, do we have another sponsor to do before we shift gears we over do, to the... We do. We do. Um, Owlcrate is back. Um, and perfect timing for the holidays. Owlcrate is a monthly subscription service that delivers bookish fun straight to your door or to the door of someone that you gift it to. Each box contains one brand new hardcover young adult novel, as well as a whole bunch of bookish keepsakes to help set the mood for your next literary adventure. The box is filled with super fun and creative themes in mind and also includes special goodies directly from the author. Owlcrate also has a brand new box for younger bookworms. It's called Owlcrate Junior for readers aged 8 through 12 or anyone young at heart. So again, it's a monthly subscription box for bookworms. Every month they send out a newly released YA novel as well as items that go along with that theme. It's a different theme every month. And Owlcrate has also begun recently sending out books with exclusive cover designs that make them even more special, something you could only get for Owlcrate. Um, also, at least one of the three to five goodies is a usable activity, um, something that you can get going and you know do hands-on to encourage creativity, imagination, and exploration. So go to owlcrate.com to find out more about that. And thanks to them for sponsoring. All right. So a while ago, we were talking about, well, we put out a specific call a while ago for what's the, what's the largest or the longest chain of sub-imprints we could, we could put together. <laughs> I remember that. Um, you know, we do this for a living and, well, you, you're better about this than I am, but I get lost about who, what's a sub-imprint of what and so on and so forth. Um, so I think this is Chris who sent us an email. I don't have the name in front of me. I'm sorry if that's not right. But um, said he could get to five deep mm. with a couple of different imprints. Um, starting with PRH, you can go to Knopf Doubleday, Doubleday, Anchor Books, to Bloomhouse Books. That way you can go PRH, Crown, 10-Speed, Watson, Guptill, Billboard Books. You could go to PRH, Random House, Ballantine, Del Rey, Lucas Books. He said Hachette and Macmillan would get you to 5-2 if you count their international parent and their U.S. operations as separate levels, which you could. Frankly, with PRH, you could go one up because PRH is jointly owned by Bertelsmann and Pearson. So kind of your seven deep on PRH there. So anyway, that's as deep. That's our, um, I guess, and maybe after this, the next one is Kevin Bacon. Is that, yes. the, is that the joke? Very, I don't that's know. impressive publishing inception right there. <laughs> yes, that was very well done. So it is as complicated as we've all thought, but you can get to five branches deep on uh, on some of these here. So that's one. Uh, another one that's pretty good. Did you want to take any of these? I'm just going through. How do you want to do oh, this? Oh, yeah. We you know, I didn't read these because you're the email checker. Oh, so why don't okay. you can um, deliver the news and I will, I'll be the straight man. Or does that make this, you the straight one's man the and juiciest. I'm the reactor? This one's okay. the juiciest. I think this one is the juiciest. Follow up a little bir a birdie because uh, is from a little birdie. If you share this story, I wish to remain anonymous. I know I'm a week late. Well, I'm sorry, anonymous. We're even later than that. I was listening to your episode about the book that faked its way onto the New York Times bestseller list, and I thought you might like this insight from an ex-store manager of a large bookstore chain, dot, dot, dot. The, the very, mm -hmm. very you know, tense ellipses here coming. We used to get in bulk orders, maybe five to ten orders in one day, of 20 to 30 copies of a book from a company, not a publishing house, but always the same company, that would only pay in gift cards that they brought from our corporate office at Extreme Distance. My eyebrows are already well, so far up. I know. When I went to our corporate office about it, they told me not to worry that the company was just trying to get books on the bestseller what? list. Just trying to get books on the bestseller list. That's their exclamation um, interceded with uh, uh, question marks. I was appalled. I started talking to other store managers around the country, and sure enough, they were putting through the same orders from the same company. I started to track which books they were buying, and sure enough, they'd be on the bestseller list when the books released. Mm. I think it's important to note that I never saw a book published by PRH or HarperCollins come through. That's not all the big five. That's all I'm saying about that. Right. You, know, you don't have to be a math wizard. Probably because they're number one and number two, respectively. How do you like them apples, Rebecca? Yeah. I mean, that companies exist, like 
that marketing companies or whatever, or like authors or publishers or whoever it is, like set up shell companies to try to do bulk orders mm-hmm. and get books on the bestseller list is a known thing. But the, that yes. like a major chain is going along with it. And in a like, don't mm-hmm. worry about the gaming of the system way is both um, gross and unsurprising, I guess. But yeah, there's like, right. I did get my eyebrows. Gross and unsurprising, the words yeah, no, 2017. Right, Thank you very right. much. Um, yeah. I did get my eyebrows up though, because there are nice layers of kind of conspiracy feeling on, yes. on here. This just goes back to our point that the bestseller list is useless. Um <sighs> But thank you, little birdie. That's a that's a great little birdie. I mean, it's it's got a little bit of a cover up, and but everybody knows like the layers. Like they paid in gift card that they bought at extreme discount from the corporate office that they then could return for the gift mm-hmm. card, presumably, and then reuse them over and over again. Uh, and that other store managers know about it. Just amazing, amazing story. Um, thank you, little birdie. And she did say. Uh, I'm only using that because uh, little birdie, I, I, I gender is female, but I, I don't know that that's fair. Um, if we've got follow-up questions, she maybe could answer some. Yes. So we got, we got to think carefully. Meet her in a garage somewhere, <laughs> smoke some cigars. <laughs> there's that in our Slack, there's that squirrel emoji. It's like a squirrel wearing yes. a fedora. <laughs> With a detective and we just hat, refer yes. to it as the detective squirrel, but that's what I feel like. <laughs> here like what else what else could we what else could we find out what's next keep Mm -hmm. telling me things book book coaches several episodes back you guys talked about book coaches and wonder how useful they were or if they were just preying on writers when i attended the morristown new jersey festival of books i sat on the panel with uh, michael acello do you know that acello um who is a writer for new york magazine an entertainment reporter very well connected guy who recently wrote spoiler alert the hero dies um, when an audience member asked that what he would recommend for writers who are just starting out, he recommended a book coach. He said he used one to write the book. And he just, this um, listener just thought that was interesting to share that. Someone who'd actually got a, 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 a person who's connected, used a book coach, got the thing published, and would recommend it, which is really interesting information because I think we were side-eye mm-hmm. squirreling. I don't, we don't have a side-eye emoji, really. I, well, I guess we sort of do that we use, but um, we were side-eyeing the idea of a book coach I think we did caveat it with it could be useful, agents do some of this, blah, blah, blah. But here is one where someone said aloud on a panel for other humans to hear in a positive way, presumably unpaid for, that their book coach really helped them. thought that was interesting to know. That is really interesting. La, a lot of <laughs> being in kitchen feels. <laughs> I'm scrolling through the a document lot. now. And this is... La, la, la. I'm delighted. We are truly among our people. Um, Let's, I think the way... Yeah, how do you want to do this? Uh, well, I don't, we can't read all of this because I kind of lumped some of them together. Here's what I would say. I guess we're going to end the show here in a minute because um, I also just wanted to wrap up. I didn't drop anything about... We got a lot of Indigo feedback, but it was all of a piece, basically, um, that I can... that I can. This is Sarah in Texas. Uh, she basically gave us a whole big report. Oh, this is all one person. This is even more amazing. This is all one person. It's amazing. It's about how much the olives were and the coffee and dessert. Uh, so I'm going to hit some of the highlights here. Um, from the, the bookstore size, it's smaller than regular Barnes & Noble, which I think we knew, right? Mm-hmm. Um, decent-sized bookstore when compared to most indies. A little overstaffed for opening week thought that was interesting. I'd, you know, one thing we've heard of from criticism of Barnes & Noble recently, you can't find a salesperson. You can't find someone to help you. Maybe they're trying to do a little more hands-on here. Um, the desserts were really good. They said there's maybe a, a coffee and dessert angle they're looking for here. We, I think, mentioned on an earlier show that we hadn't really considered the walk around with a glass of wine mm, angle mm-hmm. of all of this, which is something that you can, um, that you can think about. Can you, know, you can around, you walk definitely. around with your glass of wine? They say it? that the, one of them, one of the readers said they did that. Yes. They saw someone doing that. So that's a, that's a different thing. Um, said that the, the nonfiction sections weren't that interesting. A lot of book of the month okay. club favorites picks. As you, you know, I think what I'm hearing about the Barnes and Noble kitchen, the bookstore, is that they kind of shrunk the store to the front of the store. Does that, that make sense? You know, yeah. like, kind of like when, when you and Sharifa kid, went to that Amazon bookstore. It sounds like they're kind yes, of the same thing. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. What, what thing I loved as a, as a nerdy bookworm, 15-year-old going to Barnes & Noble was not the front of the store, but I could go wander the deep sort of stacks of fiction in the back. Sounds like you're listening, uh, um, losing a lot of that there. 
Um, let's see, nice selection of sidelines, coloring books, activity books for grown-ups. S- a little bit much for her taste, but I think that's of a piece with the modern, modern merchandising of a bookstore these days. Um, let's see. The food. You have to understand... I'm reading this verbatim just because I, I can't capture this. <laughs> um, you have to understand Dallas is a restaurant town. The standards are high for new restaurants. We do not suffer fools. The restaurant was pretty, but generic. That's kind of what I'm guessing here. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's supposed to be generic. Like, that's the idea. Yeah. Like, she went through dish by dish, which I'm not going <laughs> to go through here. Um, the dessert, she says, though, shockingly good. Thought I'd <laughs> oh, mention Sarah, that. Shockingly this is good. such good work. Email me, and I want to send you a T-shirt. <laughs> yes. We pay our informants. <laughs> Washington Post doesn't, but we will. Patio was lovely. Um, thoughts overall. I'll, I'll skip the end. I wanted to give a sense of the work Sal, Sarah did for all of us. I would come here for wine and appetizer, at least if I didn't come specifically for it. I would not be opposed to stopping okay. when I was nearby. I understand that mm-hmm. distinction. It's around. I'll go. Yep. I'm not going to go out of my way. I would come for coffee and dessert. Dessert was amazing. Why is it called the kitchen and a cafe? I think they polluted cafe because all the Starbucks yeah. things are like Barnes & Noble with cafe. People don't understand that it's different. Um, why isn't the restaurant more book themed with the menu inspired by cookbooks? I like it. Wouldn't you love to try she says maybe clever literary, maybe clever literary Genius. names. So many missed opportunities in all caps. Well, I like this idea of like there's a dish on the menu that and like and it's from this book and you can yeah. buy it right over there. It's that's so a great smart. idea. There's and a you new... know a publisher would pay for that placement. <sighs> yeah, you know that's sponsored. Would. Yeah, there's a new diner down the street from me called the Love Shack, mm-hmm. and all of the dishes are lyrics from. The Love Shack, the B-52 song. Like, this could be done with books, no problem. Yep. Um, so that's it. She'd like the, the store to be a little more, be a little more, have a little more personality, a little weirder. Uh, maybe yeah. a little, I don't know if, I think what she means, a little more personality. And the food to be a little more bookish, a little less generic. I can understand if they're trying to program the menus for 10, 12, 15, mm, 20 of mm-hmm. these. That's going to be more difficult, but I can see your point, um, Sarah, though. Sarah, you're a hero. Uh, she said she will go back for coffee and dessert and book books, right. even if I don't understand it as a whole concept. <laughs> well, maybe you don't have to understand. Coffee and dessert and books, maybe that's their formula. Maybe if you you're going to go back, they won, right? They won. Um, so there's that. And also, we had several other people write in very similar stories. I heard some people say that the prices were too expensive. Mm, they okay. thought it was out of scale with someone who would shop at Barnes & Noble. I don't know the answer to that. That was an impression there. Um, they, a couple other people said they were pleasant. I, I think the tone I'm getting, especially from our sort of, I don't know, negging of the Barnes and Noble <laughs> kitchen situation was that they were more surprised on the upside than on the downside. Don't, I, I didn't get any like five star raves. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of, you know, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. You know, there were parts of it I really liked. It's not a home run concept, but it doesn't seem to me, um, to be, a, a you know, a, a real problem, a real, you know, less than the sum of its parts situation there. Speaking of big chain bookstores, boy, did the Canadians write us, Rebecca, about Indigo. I, I can't even pick one to put it in because they're so excited. They don't know about the U.S. market, which I asked, like, do you, if you mm-hmm. know anything about the U.S. market and you could compare, let us know. Some people have been to Barnes & Noble say it's a nicer version of Barnes & Noble. It's not what we, you and I, had sort of hoped it might be, which is, or or thought could work. I don't know if we hoped it, but thought it might work more like, uh, like a William Sonoma for books sort of situation. It's not that fancy. Okay. So I'm not sure to do with that. I think maybe more like a, I don't know, what's a, you know, Crate and Barrel's like not as fancy as Williams-Sonoma, right? But it's still nice, right. like somewhere mm-hmm. in that version. Um, the other thing we got to comment on is how expensive the sideline items Oh, were. interesting. Like the pillows, like the pillows, like were fancy pillows mm-hmm. and stuff like this. Like, um, though, you know, I was in um, Powell's the other day and I was looking at the sidelines, like the pens and the notebooks and stuff can get pretty expensive if, if you look at the leather bound. So, but there's a lot more lamps and pillows and chairs and like, you know, the stuff you'd put in your study, I mm-hmm. think is a way of thinking about what is being carried by Indigo a lot of the times. Um, only one real kind of Debbie Downer was like, Indigo's fine. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, there's only, but there was one. You need one and, in every you know, bunch. I probably got 15 or 20 emails about Indigo, but on the whole, the Canadians really were excited about it. We had one former Indigo employee saying she loved working there, very sad to leave. They were good, great to their employees, employees mm-hmm. which I was thrilled That's great to, hear. to hear about there. So um, I would say if you are an American bookstore fan, that you 
given a choice between Barnes Noble Kitchen and Indigo, I think you're picking Indigo. Yeah, it if sounds you have like one to get choose. excited. If you, if, you, if you get to pick one. Right? Cool. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, that sounds right. And thank you all for all the informery, informanting. I Didn't don't know. they give us, you, you can see why I wanted to spend some time here. Can't you? Mm-hmm. I got, yeah, we got some this stuff. This is fun. Here. We do get awesome feedback from everybody, and this is really fascinating. Yeah. I, there's an annotated episode in that stupid New York Times bestseller gaming. Someday, situation. someday. Someday. So I don't know. If, did I say on the show we're doing season two of Annotated? I don't Have remember. I I don't, I've lost track yeah. of who we've told and who we haven't. <laughs> no, I don't know. Anyway, if we haven't said that, season two of Annotated is coming back March 5th. I'm already working on the first episode now. And um, if I had hair to start falling out of nervousness and excitement, <laughs> it would be falling. But, you know, that mountain's already bare. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, Casper, Reckless, and what was our last I- one? I just forgot it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Alcrate Jr., yes, yes. I was so excited to talk about Squirrel, squirrel Detectives telling us stuff. I forgot about <laughs> Alcrate Jr. Um, if you, what we want, oh, what stories have we talked about on the show this year that stick out? So if you don't know, you know, what stories have we talked about recently stick out to you? I guess the New York Times gaming was this yeah, year, wasn't it? it was. Like a yeah. million Usually years ago the now. way I make our list for the year in review is I just scroll backwards through yeah. the agenda document for like, oh yeah, that was a big one um, for what still feels salient um, beyond the week that it you mean our 345-page <laughs> agenda document that we've been using since episode one? <laughs> yes, that's the one, Jeff. It, it's like I, you know, five years worth of publishing news links now. It's not the most wieldy document <laughs> that ever uh, have existed. But it's rich um, in history. Yeah, so if you want that, I guess I guess that's all we're looking for right now since we haven't done show... You know what? Um, we're going to do a show for that's going to come out on Christmas Day that we'll record ahead of... Or Christmas Eve, I can't remember I think it's Christmas now. Eve. But we're going to do our favorite non-book things of the year. So Rex, just things we've liked this year. If you've got something that you loved this year... That's not a book. You know, we assume you love your family or your dog. That doesn't something that someone else could go out and experience right. in a non creepy way. Let's put it that way. That's what we're looking for: books, movies, TV shows, products, uh, hotels in the Swiss Alps. It sounds like we know someone <laughs> who could give us a hook up there. We might do just some, you know stuff uh, that really gave you, put a smile on your face and thought we might do some Shinsky O'Neill TV wheelhouse talk. We both finished. Have you oh. finished *Halt and Catch Fire*? Are you guys not? No, I'm waiting for it to come out on DVD or uh, streaming. Oh, okay. Well, we can talk about. I'll I'll watch their souls at night finally when I'm ready to. We haven't talked about origin either. Oh yeah, we can talk about Dan Brown. Be a nice little variety show. So if there also Mm -hmm. are like weird things you've heard us mention that we were going to talk about that we haven't gotten to, that oh, (laughs) let us know. Yeah, if you got any receipts for things we promised talking about, I guess we're really willing to cash those in. That's our show. As always, thank you guys so much. You can find uh, show notes for this and all back episodes of the Book Riot podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. We're asking for your favorite stories of the year and your just favorite things of 2017. Um, it's just an email podcast at bookriot.com. Next week will be our year in review show. So probably you've got, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to shoot us an email and uh, we can include or at least use those in taking into account doing the math of what stories we're going to talk about. Thank you guys so much. Rebecca, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Have a good one.